Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary stats. Goal by my hand, a three-point goal for Dax my hand. I just got chill up. So uh, we're here today talking to uh, Terry Birdsong, the uh, basketball coach at Callaway County High School. Uh, you've been in something like eight of 13 regional finals. I mean, that's astounding when you think about it. Uh, Terry, good to see you, man. Good to see you, Dax. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, we're glad to have you. You know, uh, you know, Terry, you and I have a, uh, a history. We, uh, I probably have rubbed on you more than anyone than maybe your wife. Uh, I had to guard you in practice for uh, in, at Marshall County. Uh, you were you were the head of me uh, at the position, so I spent a lot of time. So I'll ask you the question, Terry. When did you first meet the legend? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was thinking about that uh, leading up to us talking. I guess the first time I remember. This was before the legend. This was just Dax. Uh, I remember uh, the first time I met, I guess, Dax, or saw Dax Myhan. Um, went with uh, Coach Larry Hill over to North Marshall in 1986. I believe that would be right. Five, yeah. five, 85, 86? I believe that's right. That was your freshman year, maybe? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, or maybe it was your – I can't remember. You were in eighth grade, so mm-hmm. it would have been the year before. But anyway, we I rode with him over to watch y'all practice. And uh, he was telling me who was who. And, of course, I'd heard your names. And Now, you were in the same grade with – you graduated with – Dan Hall. Dan, mm-hmm. yeah. So Dan was an eighth grader. Yeah. And I think Aaron was a seventh grader, mm-hmm. yeah. Aaron Beth. And so you guys had a nice little squad over there. Yeah. And, and we went and uh, watched you guys practice. Saw you bury a few jumpers. And uh, so I guess that was my first introduction to the legend. Well, well that's awesome. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I saw you uh, – Probably I was probably still at Reedland. We came to Marshall County, and uh, I saw you playing at, on in the big Marshall County gym. And uh, I just remember how long your arms were and your legs. You were so you know so lanky, and <laughs> yeah. man, you could really play. And and, and I remember uh, you know we we were just in awe of the Marshall County program. And and you know you we had young y'all had young talent. It was it was just awesome. It was early days of Coach Hatcher. Right. It's the first time I remember meeting you. Well, well yeah. it's interesting that. You say that uh, just this year, we, uh, of course, they teased me about my arms and mm-hmm. stuff. And so they said, uh, uh, Bruce Lane, who who was uh, here uh, the past seven years, Bruce was a head coach here, and me and him was one of my very best friends. And he said, let's just measure. Mm-hmm. He said, we've joked about it for years. So a fingertip to fingertip uh, is supposed to be your height. Mm-hmm. And I'm 6'3", and my fingertips were 6'10 and a half. <laughs> So, well, you know, I God. knew I had long arms, but yeah. uh, but I didn't know. Uh, and you know, I kind of missed out on the nice baggy long clothes. We wore those tight <laughs> uniforms, and when yes, you have long do. legs and long arms with a little tiny uniform, oh. it just doesn't look good. So, and you know, uh, I'll tell you one of the reasons I knew you had long arms. You remember we had to do aggressive drills, and and uh, <laughs> when I was, I guess a, I believe it was our sophomore year, we were at Louisville Fairdale at the King of the Bluegrass. And you remember Hatcher was really mad at us 
uh, I believe it was during the PRP game at halftime. Yeah. And you remember we ran sprints at halftime, and he used aggressive drills to decide who the starting lineup was. Yeah. And so he lined us up, and I said, you know, this is my chance to start a half. <laughs> and, I, and, of course, I get lined up against you under the basket. They roll the ball out, and I think you could have just reached out yeah. and pulled it in, and I had no chance. But, but yeah, I, I believe me, I have spent a lot of time uh, with those arms there. So, you know, Terry, um, obviously you're the basketball coach here, so basketball is obviously a love of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you first realize that you, you love basketball, or, or what were your first memories of, of basketball? Well, you know, I grew up in a big family, Dax, with um, probably 12 or 13 male cousins, first cousins. So we were always big into sports. My sister was part of the state championship team at Marshall County. Right. And, and my mother, if she would have been able to play back when she was younger, my mother was really athletic. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were kids, she played a lot of things with us, you know, baseball and wiffle ball and basketball and so forth. So uh, I've always been involved in sports. And uh, back when I was younger, I played everything. Played baseball, football, basketball. And and uh, my older cousins, you know, they always let me play with them and, and didn't take it easy on me, didn't baby me or anything like that. And that's when I first remember falling in love with basketball. It was about the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of dropped away from football and baseball, and it really became a passion for me. Uh, to play and of course back then you know we didn't have summer camps and all the things we do now so we played every day and uh, just uh, developed a love for it and and uh, got very competitive and loved to compete and then it kind of was just a natural progression for me you know I played through high school and played at Western and Murray State mm-hmm. in college and then uh, took, a, took a little time off a year year and a half off and then decided that uh, number one, I'm not very good at anything else. I don't have very many skills at all. Not a good golfer. I don't really like to fish and mm-hmm. that much and different things. So uh, it was something that I've, I had a certain confidence level with, and it's something I really enjoyed. And, you know, coaches, I think the big thing is if you enjoy seeing people be successful, coaching is perfect mm-hmm. because you really get to see kids improve. And, unfortunately, sometimes if you're not careful – you know, your whole self-worth is tied up in that scoreboard. I know that's what I'm judged on, and I know that's the opinion people form of me is how many how many games do we win and how many did we not. But but it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. It's forming relationships with kids, and it's, it's helping them become successful. It's just sharing some of the things I was taught, some of the things I learned uh, as a player. So expanding on what you just said, how, how do you define success as a coach at the high school level or, or at any level of coaching? My success is determined in terms of keeping a job and in terms of getting better jobs and having different opportunities maybe is determined by that scoreboard most of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but that's just the, that's the world we live in. You know, uh, we live in a society where people like winners. They like people that win. And I would say from the outside, uh, that's the biggest determinant of success is what does that scoreboard say. But mm-hmm. for me personally, at this point in my career, you know, I start my 20th year next year, mm-hmm. and my, my vision now of success has changed, I guess, from what it was uh, when I was in my 20s. I, took my, I got my first head coaching job at 26. Yeah, at Webster County. At Webster County. So I was, I was young, and, and it was all about, you know, I played uh, for very competitive coaches, and, and it was all about winning, and now – uh, it's still about winning, but it's about also forming relationships. And I think one of the things that I gauge on is, 
you know, do the kids that you coach, do they, do they, do you have lifelong relationships with them? Do they come back and visit? Do they show up? Do they come to games? Do they come to practices? Do they send you a happy birthday? You know, so I think that's a big thing for me too, is just the relationships that I form. If, if a person leaves my program, especially the ones that have played and played a lot, if they leave my program and don't ever want to come back and be involved, I feel like I failed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, you know, we, I know in our career at Marshall, you know, Coach Hatcher was hard on us, but you know, we all, when he comes around, we all go to see him. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's, that's a great point you make there. So, well, well so while we're on the talking about, uh, you know, the coach as a mentor, talk about some of the mentors. I know you, you played, uh, high school ball. You probably had a middle school coach, your, uh, your college coaches. Talk about some of the mentors or guys that, that really stick out to you in your mind that you think back of and, and so maybe some of the things that they taught you. Well, I have to start with my dad. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we lost my dad in December, and as I've had time to reflect back on it, my dad coached me not very much but some. And uh, so he, he, I guess, was the first person um, outside of athletics, too, yeah. to, to teach me the things that are very important. He taught me loyalty. Uh, I'm, very, I'm a very loyal person. Uh, he taught me, um, you know, if you, if you help enough people get what they want, then you're going to get what you want, basically. Right. And so he taught me to be a good teammate, and he taught me to be humble, not pointing the shooting guns in the air and sliding and and pointing to other players and mm-hmm. you know yeah. I, I've never been that type of guy. Yeah. And, uh, in essence, the right way to play, the right way to behave too. Mm-hmm. Correct. And then um, I'll tell you a, a coach that I played for that I love that I still have a good relationship with is David Davis, Coach yeah. Davis at Benton. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then it was Benton Junior High, and our freshman year was with him. And I guess I guess if you're going to pick a guy to play for early in your career, it, it's good to have somebody that you. Really like off the floor too, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a lot of success. We we won the district my eighth grade or my ninth grade year, and Coach Davis, uh, uh, he just taught me a lot. Uh, not so much on the defensive end, you know. We played a lot of triangle and two and different mm-hmm. things, but uh, he taught me how to score the basketball, and he taught me how to, uh, you know, to develop my weak hand. And we talked about some things, you know, when you get to the high school, and I, I think he prepared me well for that mm-hmm. aspect. Now, going to Coach Hatcher yeah. uh, was a, was an eye opening experience for all of us. You know, it showed me, I guess, a different way to play basketball than I had ever ever witnessed. Mm-hmm. And so I took a lot from my dad, from Coach Davis, uh, from Coach Hatcher, and uh, Coach Jackson. You know, Jeff Jackson probably more than anybody has has been uh as big an influence on me as anybody not only coaching but just as a dad Mm -hmm. as a as a committed husband as a relationship builder you know jeff is um jeff's very loyal too and he's still to even today one of my very best friends and when he won the region this year one of the first people that i heard from was jeff jackson and and so i have a lifelong friendship with him and i've learned a lot from jeff i uh, lost track of coach jackson and actually the first time i've saw him or seen him in years was at hoop fest this year and didn't realize uh, uh, somebody grabbed me and said, hey, uh, do you recognize that guy up in the stands? And it was from a distance. And I said, no, I don't. don't." They said, that's Coach Jackson. Hadn't seen him in years. I go speak to him, and I have my son with me. And, uh, you know, we we resemble each other quite a bit. (laughs) And so I said, hey, Coach Jackson, I hadn't seen you in a while, and spoke to him. And he made me feel as if we hadn't had just seen each other the day before. He, uh, He looked at my son. He he told my son really good stories about me. He bragged on me, right. and and what a great guy! I mean, I, I wish I'd seen him more through the years, and and I was really proud to get to see him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned. Well, him. he's he he uh, 
he was a big help for me in high school because, you know, um, playing for Coach Hatcher um, and, and people don't realize when we played for him, he was in his 30s. Yes. I mean, he's not like he is now, 15, 60 years old. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we all have some interesting stories about those days. But, but Jeff, was a, Jeff was a security blanket for me in high school. I could go to Coach Jackson and when I was really frustrated and down. And, you know, playing for Coach Hatcher, there's times where you are down. Yeah, peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. And when I was, when I was in those valleys, uh, he, he's, a, he's somebody that would really – lend an ear to me and build me up and give me a lot more confidence. And, and so uh, I never forgot that. And, you know, he offered me my first job at University Heights. You know, I remember that. You were assistant mm-hmm. with him, right? Yes. I, I do remember that. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, and then I got to college and I, I played for Murray Arnold at Western and I learned a lot of things from Coach Arnold. I mean, he was a basketball encyclopedia, had a love for the game. Uh, and then uh, Coach Newton at Murray State had a different approach. He was more hands-off and really gave the assistant coaches the bulk of the workload and where Coach Arnold was really hands-on. And So, I mean, I, I've had a chance to, to not only work with but to play for and a lot of really great coaches, and I've been very blessed in that area. And, you know, it's it's been really interesting for me uh, why you know because my high, my basketball knowledge really is probably mostly Coach Hatcher mm-hmm. and the things that he taught, and so it's been really interesting for me through the years to watch your teams play. And, and, you know, occasionally I see the Coach Hatcher and some of the things you're doing. But then I also see other things you're doing, right. and you and you do have a really great repertoire of coaches to draw different things right. from. And I'm sure you do use yes. different things you learned. And people ask me a lot, you know, um, that we have mutual friends. You know, what would you learn from Coach Hatcher or Coach Jackson? And, and I tell them, you know, I learned a lot of things that I do, and I also learned some things I didn't want to do mm-hmm. and I couldn't do. So – um, you know, you have to be yourself and, and you have to figure out what, what's my niche, what works for me as a head coach because, you know, we can't be somebody else. The, the basic basketball principles I owe a lot to Coach Hatcher and Coach Jackson, you know, solid defense, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of the basketball, value and possession, playing together as a team, high percentage shots, all those things that are the core of what my teams mm-hmm. or what we strive to do anyway. Probably a little more up-tempo maybe than yeah. than what than when we played mm-hmm. uh but uh you know you kind of get that stereotype of of playing a lot of slow down basketball and you know I laugh at that because uh, there's been a couple years uh t- last year my last year at Graves County we led the region in scoring you know and sometimes um they just assume oh man they're going to play really slow but we average 60 points a game this year and in 32 minutes that's and and then some of that probably I'm sure you you'll answer this question the way but isn't a lot of that also what your personnel is you at times as a coach you it have is. to adjust to what you have it is and Dax when I you know I'm big on statistics and and we keep thorough statistics and there's a couple things at the end of every year that I look for one of them is can my team average right around sixty points a game mm-hmm. if we if we have a low defensive field goal percentage in other words if we're if we're limiting the other team to a low percentage and we average about 60 points a game and it's, and we're decent rebounding usually for for my teams that equals a pretty good year yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a really good point that you, that you make there so you know one thing we talked about before the podcast been really successful as a head coach you know just in the first region we talked about uh you've been in something like eight of 13 regional finals i mean that's astounding when you think about it and it's at a couple different schools actually i guess you would say three schools because you've had two stints now at callaway and then at graves but 
the thing that I wonder is there's obviously a recipe for success. You, it's no coincidence that you, you're at a couple, three different schools and you win there. What, what would be that common recipe for success that you would, you would say you have? I'm a firm believer that uh, success rises and falls with leadership. I mean, I have no doubt about that. I spend a lot of time self-developing and, and reading about successful people, and, and I really believe that. So, so I think you have to set the example at the top. And I think, I think if, if you're asking me what are a few things that I have that have enabled us, me to be successful as a head coach, one of them is I think my work ethic. Uh, you know, we we uh, are pretty relentless on scouting and preparing. And, and I think another thing would be, you know, is just focusing on the things that really matter. And uh, John Calipari said one time, and, and whether you love him or hate him, he said uh, if the mailman reacted every time the dog a dog barked, he'd never get the mail delivered. Yeah. And so, so you learn to coach your team. And, you fo- and, you, and I've had the ability um, to, to block out all the things that don't matter. And really focus on, okay, can we guard? Uh, are we going to take care of the basketball? Are we going to share the basketball? And can we rebound? And if, if we can do those things, I think that's the cornerstone of every team I've ever had. We start day one, can we be a good defensive team? Can we rebound the ball? And are we going to value possession? If we do those three things consistently, I think our track record shows that We've we've been able to be pretty successful, and of course I've had a lot of good players. Yeah, that's the thing. That's 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 a mainstay too. Is you got to have some you got to have some players. Yeah. and I've had excellent coaches. I've had very very good assistant coaches, uh, in both my time here at, at Callaway, both stints, and then of course my time at Graves too. And I always think too that really getting the kids to believe they can win. And and to be honest, you know it, get, it it's easier now because I'm 19 years into it. And I have, I guess, a resume or a track record to back that up. But when you first start out as a head coach, you know, everybody's, who is this guy? And uh, so you have to really get the kids to believe. I know when I first got to Callaway in 1999, you could have – this is a true story. You could have went to Walmart and found five guys that worked there and put Marshall County jerseys on them or Graves County jerseys on them or Paducah Tillman jerseys, and we would have struggled to beat them. I mean, it was such a mental, a mental thing mm-hmm. uh, that our kids had struggled with for so long. So we first had to change that yeah. by practicing hard, by preparing hard, and doing the little things that people don't – the things that aren't fun. Once we started turning that, uh, turning that corner, started beating those guys a few times. Uh, then, and, and, you know, once you get it rolling, the, the younger kids see that. Yeah. And they come here with a different confidence level than – maybe a program that hasn't been successful. So in essence, you, you changed the expectation of what it meant to play these schools. You, in, in, Rather than hoping to win with the Callaway kids before you got here, you expect to beat those teams, and, and, it, yes. and it filters all the way down through your program. I think so, and, and you know, you, you can't uh, – I've never been into moral victories. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we played them close. Well, yeah, but did you win or not? And, you know, of course, we, we, we like to – we make strides. It doesn't happen overnight. But, uh, you know, you can't, you can't worry about what people think, and, and you just got to coach your kids, and you got to be consistent with what you do, and you got you to be enthusiastic in practice, and you, the kids got to feel like that you're leading this, this, this charge, you know. And if you worry about what people think, you know, you can't do 
Uh, I heard a quote one time that said, you know, you can't lead a cavalry into charge if you worry about what you look like on the horse. Yeah. I mean, you got to go after it, and the kids got to see that. So I, so I think that I think that's very important. Uh, that's a great point. You're just you're making your team each year, and obviously you, you're developing the younger kids. And so let, let's throw an example at you. Let's say I just got a job in the Murray Callaway County area. And I'm deciding where I want to buy a house. My son is an excellent baseball or basketball player. I can't decide whether I want to go to Murray High or Callaway. What is it about Terry Birdsong as a coach that would make me say, that's the guy I wanted my son to play for? What would you say to that? Well, I mean, I think uh, we, we have a track record that shows that, you know, we have a big thing in our locker room says uh, those that stay will be champions. And we really feel that. We feel like that you can win championships in mm-hmm. our program. And, of course, we, we would never do it in spite of another program sure, and sure. focus on, on what we do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're going to be fair. We're going to be consistent with your, with your son. And, and uh, we're going to put him in a position to win. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, past that, it really uh, is their decision. So here's a question that uh, Shane and I kind of kicked around and. Uh, this is a new one we're going to try to incorporate into our interviews. Would Terry Birdsong like to play for Terry Birdsong? Man, that uh, <laughs> that's kind of the reaction we had well, when we first I, asked it. You know, I've never been asked it before. I mean, I would I would hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that I think that I have a good relationship with my players. Of course, you know, um, there there's some. It's just like teaching school, Dax. You know, some mm-hmm. kids. Uh, will open up and and let you befriend them and form a relationship, a friendship, and and some won't. And kids are the basketball players are no different. Some are are uh, more personable, some aren't. But but I think uh, and you know I went back and asked some guys years later, did you enjoy it? Shoot me straight. And I've got good feedback on that. Of you know it wasn't easy, but we tell our kids you know anything worth having is not going to be easy. And if it was fun all the time, think how many locker rooms we'd have to build. Because everybody would want to play if it was fun all the time. Uh, it's a certain element of work. And, and I think the, the kids that have played for me know that I put my heart into it. And I've done everything from our end to, to help them be successful. So I'm a, a, a Callaway County student, and I want to play basketball. What do I need to know before I walk into that locker room and try out for Callaway County? What what do what is what do the coaches expect of me as a player when I step on the court? Well, it's it's a big commitment, and I know that. I mean, I know playing for me and playing in our program is a big commitment, and and uh, we wouldn't have it any any other way. You know, as far as the weight room, and as far as conditioning, as far as preparation, hard practices, we we coach them hard. You know, every job that I've ever taken. Somebody will say, from the principal to the AD to the superintendent to somebody, will say, "Coach, there's kids walking that hall that'll help you." Now, in 19 years, I haven't, I've never found those kids. Now, are they talented enough to play? Yes, but are they going to come to school? Are they going to perform in the classroom? Are they going to stay out of trouble? Are they going to come to practice? Are they going to show up in the morning for weights? So you really narrow down the kids that not only are good enough but also are committed enough. Sometimes that is a big determining factor with kids. The kids sometimes that have the talent, but they don't want to put in the time. So I would tell them, you know, be prepared to make a commitment. It's going to be a big commitment, but, um, you know, hopefully we'll get to reap uh, some benefits from that as the season progresses. 
So are kids different from maybe back when you and I played high school basketball to now, or, or are they still I think the same? so. No, I think they're very different. I think, I think we live um, – and I've had to change, to be honest. You know, you have to change as a coach, too, and as a teacher. Uh, but we live in a time now, Dax, I think, where there's a certain sense of entitlement. Kids expect to play earlier. They expect sometimes things to – not 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 most kids, but some kids expect things to be given to them. You know, I'm a senior. It's my time. And, and I struggle with that, kids that feel entitled, entitlement. But I think we live in that age, you know. We have guys going to the pros at such an early age, and we have we have guys that uh, come in as eighth and ninth graders that don't want to wait till they're a junior and senior. And I'll tell you, if you're at the high school level anyway, if you're having to rely on ninth and tenth graders all the time, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, if in a good program, sometimes you have to wait mm-hmm. until uh, just like this year with us. I mean, we could have had an outstanding sophomore, but. You know, we had six excellent seniors. So I think that's the biggest difference in kids t- today is entitlement. Uh, yeah. they're, they're not willing to, to, to put in the time to, to wait till their turn. And I think of the guy at Wisconsin, uh, the big uh, Frank uh, Kaminsky, Kaminsky. Yeah. you know, a guy that played in maybe six games his freshman year and maybe doubled that as a sophomore, stuck around, didn't transfer, didn't quit. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying those are bad things, but they have to be for the right reasons. And he stuck around and, and ended up, you know, being a millionaire. And he's just an example of many people that uh, – but, but those guys are hard to find now. Yeah. They really are. And there's so many more things for kids to do. Mm-hmm. If I look up and I'm a freshman and I, in my mind I see the sophomores being as good or better than me and then the, we have a lot of juniors that are pretty good – I'm going to be looking because basketball, you know, I always say this, basketball is survival of the fittest. I mean, we don't have nine, ten, eleven positions to put people on the field. We've got five. And if you're lucky, you'll be able to play eight, yeah. uh, maybe nine. So it is tougher to play. But, you know, the payoff in this state, if you can be a good basketball player, mm-hmm. is the ultimate. You know, you make a great point. I, I knew a, a blonde-headed, really good shooter that had to wait. He had he had this he had this all-stater in front of him, Shane, and uh, he had really had to. And then and then the all-stater goes off to Western and plays, and then another guard gets put in front of him who plays at Murray State, and so you know the kid transferred to Marshall County to play and really didn't get, didn't get to play till his senior year. But you know. He learned a lot guarding these two yeah. All-Staters. Where, and, you know, I think, and, I, and I think that guy made it to the Final Four, didn't he? Did. He did. Yeah. They made All-State Tournament <laughs> team. And, and, you know, honestly, and, and I, I want to throw this at, at you and, and even Mitch Cothran, you know, you guys made me a better player. I could have stayed at Reedland and, you know, played earlier right. and – Never went to state tournament, and so so it, it was frustrating, you know, that you've got guys in front of you that you obviously know are better basketball players than you. But man, you, I stuck with it, and and so your story that you just told is is the story of my life, yeah. honestly. So well, and and you know that's a credit to you because nowadays a lot of kids wouldn't do that, mm-hmm. and you know I I think about the kids we have coming in this next year at Callaway. We won't have any seniors, and these kids, none of them got to play because we were so senior-dominated. Yeah. But they played against those guys every day. And there were a couple times this summer 
where I I was would watch the team we play and I'd think, man, we're going to get we're in trouble, and we would be right there and one of you. And then mm-hmm. I have to remind myself, you know, these guys went against Parker Adams every day. They went against uh, Skylar Smith, uh, Wade Carter, Clay Smotherman, um, you know, Hunter Smith, uh, Connor Wagner. I mean, they went against those guys every day. And uh, kind of like what you were saying, yeah. you know, it, it makes them better. Yeah, it sure does. And I went against, you know, I come in as a sophomore at Marshall, and you had Barry Goheen, you had, you had a lot of guys that we had, we had several seniors, yeah. and yeah. and uh, so makes for some interesting practices too. It really does because I can, you know, I can honestly say, and I'm not saying this because you're on the podcast, but I can honestly say I never guarded anyone in a varsity game that was better than you. So I, I had faced. You know, I had faced uh, – and Coach Coach Knight used to talk about – Bobby Knight used to talk about make your practices harder than any game you play in. Right. And, and that was the case. I mean, I, I'm I'm guarding two All-Staters for mm-hmm. two years or three years, actually, in high school, and, and it made, me, it made yeah. me better. Well, I just ran into Mitch the other day. I, I've seen Mitch a few times here and there, and uh, what a what a really good player he was. Yes, you know, he was. he was an excellent player and a great teammate. And I was blessed at Marshall. I had some really good teammates. Yeah. You've been listening to part one of Dax's interview. To hear the rest of the interview, click on to part two at DaxMyHand.com.